Welcome back to the Beyond Macros podcast. We are the Sustainable Transformation Nutrition Coaches, and our show will teach you how to make a transformation that lasts with episodes about nutrition, movement, and the all-important art of inner work. In today's episode, I talked with Dr. Ben House in depth about the different factors that affect the calories in, calories out equation, which of those factors are within your control, and how to use this information to actually get some weight loss that lasts. And just a reminder that our favorite nutrition book list giveaway ends this Friday, October 5th. So head to beyondmacros.com and click the banner at the top of the page to enter to win getting your macros calculated by one of our coaches, eight meal prep recipes, and our two favorite books on behavior change, The Willpower Instinct and The Power of Habit. If you missed the deadline for the giveaway, you can always download our free calorie and macro calculator worksheet at beyondmacros.com slash worksheet to get started. And here is Larry Miller to talk about his life-changing experience with a Beyond Macros coach. I joined Beyond Macros at the end of March of this year, right after the Open. Um, I'm turning 40 this year. I had a large schedule of Spartan races, 5Ks, half marathons all lined up, plus my normal training for CrossFit. Plus, I own a very successful Italian pizza restaurant um, that keeps me busy for, you know, 10 to 12 hours a day on top of training. I knew I needed something more, and the coaching at Beyond Macros has really helped me meet my goals, stay healthy, stay active, and more. Um, Working with Matt and Coach Frank, I've dialed in what I need for calories every day, what I need for protein. you know, I, I always had trouble hitting my carbs. I always had trouble hitting my fats. Those haven't been a problem. Uh, after our initial consultation on the phone, I found out I wasn't even eating enough. And they, they dialed it in. Um, knowing how to cook helps a little bit, but they really helped me get where I needed to go. I lost a total of eight inches on my body. I lost over 20 pounds. Um, I feel better than ever. And my 5K time dropped by almost five minutes. All my lifts went up, all my Metcons got better and better. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing where we go in the future. We're through the first 12 weeks now, and I'm looking forward to what the recovery phase brings and what we can bring for the future as I try to reach my goals. Um, And it's like having a team with me trying to get to those goals. So I look forward to it. You know, if you haven't checked it out, check out Beyond Macros. They're awesome. Let me set up the scene here with Dr. Ben House. He is a man who can be described as a mile wide and a mile deep. He is well known for his writing about male hormones. He loves working with human gorillas to maximize muscle gain. And he also has no problem frolicking sober through Austin in a unicorn costume with his bros. We actually met because he unknowingly used the name Beyond Macros for a course he created. By the time I saw someone tag me in his post announcing the course, he'd already sent me a message on Facebook to the effect of, man to man, if you want me to change it, I will. And my response was that we didn't know anything about each other, so why potentially make the mistake of getting our messages confused? I know the last thing I want is some Instagram model slinging tummy tees and sullying our company's good name. But that's not Ben House. I started following his daily writings and was blown away by the breadth of topics he was covering in depth each day. 
So when the opportunity to attend his Beginner's Mind mentorship on his property at Flow Retreat Center in Costa Rica presented itself, I jumped on it. And today's episode is inspired by a talk Dr. House gave on nutrition in the brain at his retreat. In the talk, he effectively argued against the idea that diets don't work, and if you diet, you're doomed to yo-yo. So in today's episode, we will build up to the five factors that dieters who successfully maintain weight loss long-term have in common. And to lay the foundation for those factors, Ben will go deep breaking down the calories in, calories out equation, and how we can affect it other than by starving ourselves. He begins by answering what is on each side of this equation. So we have the calories inside, which is primarily what what it is, what you eat. So it's appetite. And then we have the calories outside, which would be resting metabolic rate, uh, the thermic effect of food. And then we have meat uh, for the for the super nerds, which basically means fidgeting. It's non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And then we have eat, which is exercise activity thermogenesis. Eat uh, Exercise is probably a terrible way to induce weight loss. It doesn't work very well. Um, it's not much bang for your buck, but it is a great way. It is not optional because you have to maintain muscle mass. And the research is pretty clear that it's really good at preventing weight regain. Um, it seems to be one of those anchoring habits for people. If you have exercise, like a lot of other ducks kind of get in a row. And, and so I'm always thinking about like, what are the levers inside of this equation that I can pull? Because this equation is almost, it's, it's incredibly complex, incredibly adaptable, but there's things that we can adjust. As you can hear, it sounds like there are a lot more factors on the calories outside. Resting metabolic rate, neat, exercise activity, and the thermic effect of food. The calories inside has just one thing, what you eat. But what you eat is regulated by your appetite. And there are endless factors that affect appetite. Factors ranging from your microbiome to your macros to advertisements and social cues. In Costa Rica, we spent a solid 15 minutes filling an entire whiteboard with a web of factors that affect appetite. Here is a very brief story to highlight some of the hidden factors driving appetite. The best way I have to talk about this is most everyone listening to this podcast has probably never been starving. Uh, you've never actually needed food. Like I've only met a couple of people who've been on like 30 day fasts um, and then they were actually starving. But the majority of people are the majority of your eating is is governed by short term hunger cues. So, oh, I see this. I want that. Or and so it's all like advertisements. What's around in your house? And so that's why controlling environment is so important because you're controlling those short term hunger cues when you really don't need to eat. Um, and that's why creating routines and creating habits are so important. Create, you want to put as many things as you can on autopilot. And, and that's why like just meal prepping and like having a plan is so important because if you don't have a plan and you're stressed out and, and you have like, so the best way to think about it maybe is like you have this six year old guy who has a Jack Daniels chair. Like, and every time he sits in that chair, he drinks Jack Daniels. Like, how good do you think that guy is going to be at getting sober if he still has that chair? Be, no way. No way. So, like, your body, your brain knows where the ice cream is. It already, like, your hippocampus is already figured, like, it memorizes all that stuff. It maps everything out. Like, that's how your brain is wired. Like, this thing 
it is op- it is it's like the optimal foraging theory. Like you think your your brain wouldn't have remembered where honey like where a glass full of honey was? Like no, it's gonna remember everything about that situation. So you have wanting and liking. So wanting is generally uh, your limbic system or subconscious, subcortical, whereas liking will be cortical. So for instance, you can like ice cream but not want it because you just ate a bucket of ice cream. But you, so that that's kind of the the big. That's where people kind of get it. Like, oh shit, I can like something but not want it. So, hunger is generally, uh, it's it's determined by volume of food in the GI tract. Yes, but variety is also a very very big thing. So if I give you, if you go out for you know a steak and mashed potatoes and some broccoli or whatever it is, and you've definitely had enough food. And I put a pie in front of you. You can probably eat that. Your hunger is going to reset, right? So, things that we need to respect are environment, food cues. Like, don't think that you're going to be successful because when you're low on sleep and high on stress, you're probably going to gravitate towards those uh, those high caloric items that you like and want um, at that time. And so you're going to fail. And then the other thing is, you know, maybe you don't have so much variety. So I'm not a big fan of like giving people complex recipes. Like I want you to eat. If you're a, if you're a weight loss client, I generally want you to eat very simple food. I want you to learn to be attentive. I want you to learn to, you know, when you eat a strawberry, I want you to know what that strawberry tastes like. So how do we control this side of the equation when there are a seemingly endless amount of interconnected variables driving appetite? So, on the appetite side, I have to, if I'm with a weight loss client, I have to lower that. I have a few tools that I could use. I can create a haber, like a hammer of an, some kind of ad libitum diet strategy, like keto, vegan, doesn't matter what it is. You're, you're going to restrict these foods, but you can eat all these other ones as much as you want. And that can work. Uh, people tend to get super tribal about it. Um, and I'm not a huge fan of that uh, because it's a you're cr- essentially creating a nutrition religion, and it's a bunch of people. There's so much stuff that can work. Like there's so many strategies that can work. And then as we climb up this this ladder, we have you know then you kind of have this intuitive eating model. You have meal plans. You have tracking macros, and these are all just cognitive restrictions on appetite. And cognitive restrictions on appetite are part of what leads to long-term success with dieting. Ben said a full eight times in our hour-long chat, adherence is the name of the game. We have this idea of self-monitoring on the calories inside, which I think is important. Um, If you're trying, if you want to maintain weight loss long-term, I think that you can never really lighten up on this. Um, And that's difficult for a lot of people to wrap their minds around is that you're going to have to have some level of cognitive oversight on your eating. Because if you don't, your body's generally just, if, unless you've changed all your habits, if you change all your environment, your body's probably just going to pop back up to where it was before. And if you're not resistance training, you just lost muscle and gained fat. Um, and so the levers on the calories outside, the calories outside is way more interesting to me. So let's talk calories out. And then we will move on to how changes on one side of the calories in, calories out equation affects the other. We'll start with the largest contributor to your calories going out, resting metabolic rate. 
we can't do a lot about our resting metabolic rate. And I would make the argument. So the big resting metabolic rate is determined by age, sex, uh, lean body mass, hormones, and genes, fetal microenvironment, microbiome. Like those are kind of the big things that are going to, um, maybe not, those are the big indicating factors of the resting metabolic rate. I would make the argument that age, sex, and hormones, I, I like to have contrarian viewpoints. And so I would make the argument that those don't matter outside of lean body mass inside of physiologic ranges. Like if you have, yes, if you have like overt thyroid problems, like that's going to be a thing. But if you're, if a lot of, like a lot of people get worried, like, Oh, I can't lose weight because my hormones are messed up. Mm, prob the odds of that are probably very slim. Um, unless you have like cussing syndrome or you have, or you're legit hypogonadal as a male and you're dealing with a lot of stuff. Like, yes, if you have a pathology, I definitely think that hormones can come into play, but for the vast majority of us, hormones are probably not the reason that you're not losing weight. I just want to highlight that hormones point that he brought up out of over a thousand people I've worked with. I'd say well under 5% have had legit hormone issues. But far more than that, suspected hormones were the culprit for their inability to lose and maintain weight loss. Ben is all about building anti-fragile people. And part of that is not being attached to a disease state. And part of his perspective on this attachment part comes from the fact that his father has practiced Zen Buddhism for over two decades. So I want to share this interesting perspective that Ben has with you. In my viewpoint, we we can't be attached to these things. So that, that the attachment from a Zen standpoint is is that's going to be pretty maladaptive long term. You are not anything. You are not your disease. You are not. You know what I'm saying? You are not anything. You're not your macros. You are the watcher of your thoughts. If we want to get super weird, where you do have some control over the RMR part of the equation is your lean body mass. If you maintain lean body mass, we know these are, there's studies where they bring people from like 12% to seven, six, 5% body fat. And the resting metabolic rate doesn't change if they don't lose lean body mass. Um, and that's, that's helpful because it's not, your resting metabolic rate isn't doomed for failure. If you lose weight, like if you maintain lean body mass, you can, yes, you're a less big human. So you're going to burn less calories. 100%. So you're going to, you're going to have to eat less if you lose 30 pounds. Like it's, you're not gonna be able to eat the same amount. Um, but your RMR, if you maintain lean body mass will probably stay sim the same. And if you get healthier, maybe you get better if your thyroid function improves. And so that's cool. Dr. House said there really is no other safe and accessible way to pull the RMR lever except resistance training. The next part of the calories out equation that we can affect is non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which I've been referring to as NEAT. Just to highlight how effective a lever NEAT can be, I want to share a client story with you. I was working with a woman who was making great progress for our first 60 days together, and then she hit a plateau. In our 60-day meeting, I was really diving in and asking questions to get to the root of the plateau. She thought it might have been this one cheat food she ate last week or maybe some hormonal issues, but I didn't feel either of those was a reasonable explanation for what was going on. Luckily, I was familiar with Dr. House's writing, and he hammers on the importance of non-exercise activity. I asked her what kind of phone she has, 
and she told me an iPhone. I asked if she carried it with her regularly, and she did. All the time, actually. So I had her pop onto her health app and look at how many steps per day she was taking the week we started. It was somewhere in the neighborhood of 6,600 on average. Now, take a guess where that number was at day 60 of working with us. 2,200. Her non-exercise activity was cut at least in one-third. As soon as we started implementing habits to start moving more outside of the gym, we got through the plateau without any other interventions. Step tracking and NEAT has its benefits, and it's also important to know it has its shadow side. And NEAT to me from a weight loss side, I don't think you can make one more important than the other, but NEAT is non-negotiable as well. So you have to have a higher level of activity. Uh, and this, this, the threshold, if you look at the Ponsor research, we now think that there's a constrained energy model, not like an additive. It's not like you can, you know, walk up 62 flights of stairs for like seven onion rings. Like the body doesn't work like that. Uh, and so you got, you have to hit your essentially the land of depreciating returns. And so that means like, you hit this value of your max kind of calorie burn. And, and that to me is really, really important. And it looks to be like maybe eight to 10,000 steps a day is that baseline level of activity, maybe even higher if you think evolutionarily and hard gainers are generally going to be, uh, that's neat. So these people just like, they just fidget away calories. Um, and they generally, if they're hard gainers are, you just, basically got to eat more. Like there's not an easy answer. So in addition to NEAT, exercise activity is an obvious lever we can pull. And here's what Dr. House had to say about it. When we look at pedometers and activity trackers, the, the research on them isn't very good long-term. Um, and so I'm just trying to drive behaviors. Like I just want to drive behaviors um, and then make those a habit. For me, if you can... Mike T. Nelson and I who talk about this a lot. If you can be objective about the data, then it's generally fine. Like if, if someone has a very objective mindset and they can be the watcher, but if someone gets like they get defined, if they all of a sudden get defined by how many steps they have in a day and you know, they're, they're pacing around at the end of the night to get to 10,000 like that, it's probably not very helpful. Um, it's adding stress to your life. But if you know, a pedometer helps you get up and walk and you're in office 10 times, it helps you get up every hour and now you're more productive. I think it's, then it can be helpful. And where I see it, I tend to see this work really, really well. Like I have, I have crazy clients, like literally rocket scientists who've lost hundred, half of themselves. And, and what do you see in these circumstances? You see insane levels of cognitive oversight. It's the only way you would ever have that system. It's like they track everything. They they send you like 17 graphs and like, you're like, okay, I know this is cool. Like, this is what happened here. Um, and But th that might make the average person neurotic. We'll dive deeper into exercise as a lever for weight loss in a moment. But first, we will talk about the last part of the calories out equation, the thermic effect of food. That is the amount of energy your body uses to actually break down and use or store the energy from your food. And this is a surprisingly effective lever. And then the next side is exercise activity thermogenesis. And to me, exercise is all about if you're a weight loss client, 
it is all about maintaining and building lean body mass. Um, and so whatever you want to pick, whatever exercise strategy, the person is going to adhere to. If they want to do cardio, if they want to do cardio, great. If they don't want to do, if they hate cardio, don't make them do cardio. Just make them go to the gym and make them get, you know, that low level activity movement. Um, and adherence, adherence is the name of the game in all of this. And to me, the actual strength training, resistance training stress that's, that someone who's new needs is surprisingly small. Like you can probably get it done in 30 minutes, twice a week. And, and, and that's freeing because you can use a lot of these things that drive novelty. Uh, so people, not everyone's like me. I understand this. Like I'm very uh, meat heady. Like I'll do the, the same thing week after week after week for years. Um, but some people need, they need to have fun. Like I, I understand that. Um, and so then you have, if, if you know, you only need like, you know, a couple sets a week of all these different body groups of muscle groups and, and moving patterns, you're free. Like that's very easy to do twice a week. And then you can, you know, you can have fitness entertainment that's, as long as you don't hurt people. Um, the 30 minutes before that as a warm up, uh, and, and the problem that I get that just irks me in the fitness realm is like, we have, it's, it literally is just like, app upon app upon gym of fitness entertainment where we're just like swinging shit around and like ninja warrioring, which yeah, in the first 10 weeks, we'll probably put muscle on someone. But if you're not overloading the system, it's eventually it's going to fail. Like you have to overload the system. What are our tools to use that? Well, there are barbells, dumbbells, machines, and kettlebells, like, and all of those have positives and negatives. Um, and the name of the game is adherent. Before we move on, Dr. House shared why it's important to realize it's not about quality versus quantity. The next one we have is the thermic effect of food. And so the thermic effect of food would be how much energy you extract from what you eat. Um, and here we can get kind of lost in the mac macronutrient aspect. Like, yes, protein has the highest thermic effect of food, then carbohydrates, then fat. Uh, we can also kind of lose ourselves in the fiber argument. But the the big thing is if you eat processed food, you will have a lower thermic effect of food, maybe by as much as 15%. So eating, eating unprocessed real food, you get 15% for free. Like that's not a small amount guys. Like if you have, if you have, uh, you know, a total total daily energy expenditure, a TDE of 3000 calories, like that's 450 calories that burn that you're going to get just by changing the quality of your food. If you're eating the standard American diet, um, that's huge. Like that's the, that's the caloric driver that most people are trying to get. And then on top of that, so that's why it's this avatar of like a, maybe a guy who's 50 pounds overweight who's eating, you know, hot pockets, like that is an insanely easy person to have really, really good changes with very, very quickly. Um, just by kind of pulling that diet quality uh, lever. Okay. Now we've got the equation mapped out. So a quick review before moving on calories in is the food you eat and it is regulated by appetite. Appetite will be affected by a plethora of factors, including pulling the different levers on the calories outside of the equation. The calories outside of the equation includes resting metabolic rate, non-exercise activity thermogenesis, 
exercise activity thermogenesis and the thermic effect of food. The levers we can pull on the calories outside of the equation include resistance exercise to maintain lean body mass, which will also maintain or improve your resting metabolic rate. Putting some cognitive oversight on non-exercise activity, like using a step tracker, is another lever we can pull. Finding an exercise program you'll actually adhere to and one that will improve lean body mass is the lever we can pull on the exercise side of the equation. And eating whole unprocessed foods to increase the thermic effect of food is another lever we can pull. This is where the conversation gets really interesting. Ben walked me through what happens to calories out when we drop calories in. If you're eating processed food and trying to lose weight, like Jenny Craig, like I think you've missed the boat. Like you've missed the boat. Like like you can do that cognitively for a time, but those things are not effective long term. Uh, if you get off that, if you get off that type of mentality, you're going to go right back. You have no way. Like the the prepackaged meal systems. Like you're not teaching people how to fish, you're giving them fish. And so, yes, they can be helpful. And maybe that is the solution in our society. Maybe no one is going to cook anymore and they're just going to, we're going to cognitively regulate this system by giving them food, uh, which is probably an entirely different podcast. Um, But I think that if we can get people to eat real food, they're going to, they're going to feel better. They're going to see results and it's going to ripple out into their entire life. Um, and that's the first in the nutrition circles, we get into this argument of food quantity versus quality. Uh, and I don't think that we need to have an argument there. I think that we need to have an understanding of both of those. And I think the, the funk med space, the whole, whatever you want to call it, the holistic nutrition space, they tend to poo poo the quantity side and it is not helping them. It's, it's really hindering them. It's, it's a, it's a weakness. It's and it really, it's terrible. It's just as terrible as, you know, the calories, the, the calories in like the calories, the calories, the calorie. Um, it's just as, just as bad as them saying that qual food quality doesn't matter. It's all about these calories. Um, and we have to, we have to have some understanding and, and be able to, uh, work inside of both realms. The adaptability of the calories in calories out equation is pretty darn cool. Now that we've fully set the stage for the levers you can pull to affect it and drive weight loss, it's time to cue you into the five factors that successful dieters all share. And so let's say we just bang someone to 1,200 calories. What is that energy outside going to do? Well, it's going to lower RMR. It's going to lower thyroid function. It's going to put potentially if you're losing, if you're losing lean body mass, like it's, it has all, it can do this. Like, um, so you, yes, it could lower resting metabolic rate. If you maintain lean body mass, probably not so much. And then what else can it do? Well, you're eating less food. So your thermic effect of food is going to go down. You're going to burn less calories because you're eating less calories. Um, and then the primary thing that seems to happen is we seem to downregulate meat. Um, and that means like, that's really, really hard. So people just move less. Um, their muscles become more efficient, which is crazy and super cool to me. Um, I understand that's probably not super cool to you if you're a weight loss client. Um, <laughs> but the, the adaptability of this system is, is why we exist guys. Like evolutionarily, like you are, you are here for a reason. Uh, you survived. And so this system is meant to keep you alive. I mean, I think we've lost sight of this. And so, yes, this, it turns 
it turns down this whole energy outside of the equation. Um, and so that's why, uh, generally going from like in the research, we take someone from eight, like, so say we put them on 800 calories and then we knock them down to 400. That doesn't generally result in any more weight loss. Um, just cause the system's already just trashed. And so there's, there's probably, you have more room to work with if you are extremely overweight. Um, and you have a lot of excess adipose tissue, you can drive a way higher like deficit. If you're lean, please do not drive a giant deficit on yourself. Like that is a great way to lose lean body mass. Like don't lose weight fast. Maybe, maybe 0.5% of your body weight per week. Maybe, maybe 0.25. That would probably be a better thing in my, in my estimation. Um, if you are super advanced, uh, don't, the worst thing that I can see, like the worst thing that I see is professional athletes and their significant other like changes. They try keto or something like that. And then the, the guy who's the guy or girl who's training for three to four hours a day, just drop their calories by 2000 and they're just trashed. Um, and so we have to respect that. Um, and and the just the adaptability of this system is is pretty it's pretty amazing. It's pretty cool. Simple to explain and takes months, if not years, to implement. Especially managing habits and environment because most bad habits are tied to your environment and your culture. But that's a topic for a whole different podcast. So I hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Beyond Macros podcast with Dr. Ben House. The best way to keep learning from this man is to follow his writings on Facebook, or you can sign up for his newsletter, which is just a weekly roundup of his writing delivered to your inbox. No other promotions. You can sign up for that at functionalmedicinecostarica.com. And if you are a coach looking to level up your knowledge of nutrition and functional medicine, you can also sign up for his Beginner's Mind Mentorship at FunctionalMedicineCostaRica.com. I've found the online learning portal portion to be an incredibly well-structured and robust platform for continuing my education in the space. I will also drop a mini episode in the not-too-distant future because Ben and I chatted for a while and unfortunately our conversation about driving muscle gain just didn't cleanly fit into the narrative of today's show. Luckily, that means you have something to look forward to. So make sure you subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. If you found this episode to be eye-opening, I'd love if you could either hit the share button and send it to whoever came to mind when you were listening to the show, or take a screenshot of your podcast player on your phone and share it to your Instagram story with at beyond macros and at Dr. Benhouse tagged so we can shout you out or answer any questions you have. And if you've listened to this far, I know you're either a true fan or you're meal prepping right now and can't skip to the next episode with those meaty hands. So I just want to give you a little bit of love and a look into my new vision. I'll be 100% honest. During the last break I took from the show, I was questioning my commitment to keeping it going much longer. Listener and client feedback kept me motivated just enough to put out a great product. But recently, I took some time to sit down and journal about my ideal role within my own company, Beyond Macros. And 
creating the I will make this an NPR level storytelling podcast and eventually we'll have multiple experts per episode to provide a well-rounded perspective on the episode's topic. In the near future, you can also expect better sound quality as I am buying a new setup for in-person interviews, which I'll be doing a lot more of. And I will also be taking steps to improve the sound quality of the remote interviews that I do. This all takes time and money, and the best ways you can support this vision are to consider using our coaching services, which are a true VIP experience. Or you can share our shows with people who you think will actually listen. Listeners matter. And just engage with the content and let me know what you like, you don't like, whatever it happens to be. You can email me at coaches at beyondmacros.com with any feedback. I deeply appreciate you listening, and I'm very excited for the future of this show and having you be a part of it. And I seriously look forward to seeing you again next week.